What's up, guys? I'm Hunter. I'm Alan. Welcome to the WCBC podcast, guys. It is week three. Alan, real quick, how you feeling? Feeling great, man. Oh, my goodness, guys. We are so excited. You know, originally, we kind of didn't know what we were getting into with this, but each week, you know, we look forward to Sundays, we look forward to Wednesdays, but man, me and Alan, we are looking forward to Tuesdays. That's right. Tuesdays are when we record, and then Thursday mornings is when we release this for all of you guys. Um, So I look forward to Tuesdays, and I look forward to Thursdays. And so I'll, I'll say this too real quick before we even jump in our intro. Alan, as I go through the week, I'm listening back to this, okay? And so here, me and Alan, you know, we're having these conversations but the thing about a podcast is you really have to be on your feet mentally. Yeah. Like your thoughts and everything. You know, we have pens and paper here just so we can write thoughts down and scriptures and things that come to mind. But you got to be on your toes. And so as during the week, though, it's fun because I'll go back and listen. One, because we want to make sure every, the quality, you guys are giving us great feedback on things we can work on. But I get to listen to Alan. Because in the moment, you know, we're going back and forth, but I've been listening to Alan and I'm learning things that I didn't even notice we talked about. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that I also do when we uh, actually this week I listened to both episodes and uh, did not listen to the first episode the first week, but uh, listened to both of them and uh, I, I'm enjoying it, man. Not only am I enjoying doing it, I'm enjoying listening to it and listening to you. Yeah, it's it's fun. Me and Alan, we're uh, our friendship's growing, um, and it's just fun, guys. We're getting great feedback from you guys. Um, uh, let me do this real quick, too. This just came to my mind. I was talking with Sonia Walden today, and she was asking, Hunter, how do I subscribe to an Apple podcast? So let me just do a brief, just this is an audio dis- uh, description. So, guys, if you are looking on your iPhone, you can find a purple app that says podcast, or you can scroll all the way to your left where your notifications and stuff are, Scroll down, and you can get your search bar, okay? So find the podcast app. It's purple. It, if you'll click it, go to the search bar, type in Watson's Chapel Podcast. It'll be one of the first ones to pop up. It's super orange. And what you'll do, you'll click it, you'll subscribe, and all the episodes are through that. And then same thing through Spotify. Go on Spotify, Watson's Chapel Podcast, and, and it's there. When in doubt, go to our website. There's some links and stuff. So that was just a quick tidbit that I thought of. So Alan, introduce us. What's our, what's our intro this week? So our intro this week week is we just want to take a, a, a few minutes and uh, you know invite folks to church. We really have not done that in the past episodes, so uh, we want to encourage uh, you if you're looking for a place to attend church. We would love to see you at our church. Uh, some things that we're doing uh, as far as safety-wise, as, uh, deep cleans of the church and uh, not just the church, the church, but uh, touch points uh, in the church like door handles and water fountains and uh, the seat backs and uh, doorknobs and things like that. Uh, saw the pastor uh, with a big jar of the sanitary oh, yeah. wipes, and he's wiping door handles and water fountains. Yeah, boy. I personally wiped down the uh, the Sunday school room after Sunday school, so we uh, we wiped down the chair backs, the chair seats, the door latch, the door, the light switch, everything. So we'll make sure that uh, the the church is clean. So if you're uh, kind of anxious about uh, the uh, COVID uh, cleanliness of the church, uh, things are being done. Uh, far away and above just ordinary janitorial custodial activity Uh, lots of cleaning going on to disinfect and keep the uh, god's house clean Uh, also uh, masks are acceptable Uh, they're not required but uh, several folks in our congregation choose to wear masks and that's perfectly fine yep certain folks uh, do not 
uh, wear a mask and that's okay too. So the, the crowd's at a manageable state to where we can maintain that social distance and stay safe. And uh, uh, we would love to encourage you to come back to church yeah. if, you're, if you're staying out because of that's maybe uh, weighing on your mind. Uh, we want to encourage you to come back. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think, too, guys, we actually, for those of you who don't know, we have a cleaning maintenance team for this church. They are on staff. They are paid to clean, and so once or twice a week, they're here. So not only do Sunday school teachers, such as Alan, clean his room, after services, me, uh, Pastor Jason even, we have sprayers. We go through the entire building and spray everything. Uh, Bryce, he runs the, he's in the sound room. He's part of our media team. He wipes handles. People are wiping. So we are really trying to maintain and stay consistent with keeping this building clean. Um, and, and here's another thing, too. You know, here, two things, actually. Let me start with this. You know, during our services, we really encourage people to space out. Now, when you show up, you'll notice sometimes that people do sit together. Well, usually it's family members that sit together. Uh, people that are around, like, you know, we have husbands and wives that are friends with other husbands and wives. Exactly, and they spend five days a week under yeah. the same roof. We're not going to ask them to separate because yeah. they're at church. That yeah. would be just not practical. Yeah, and I mean, even like, you know, we have other ministries that come to this in this church and attend services. They sit together. Um, you know, we, we even like, sometimes, you might even watch on our live stream, people do go up to pray. We Usually families go up and pray together. Um, you know, me personally, when I pray with people, you know, I kind of keep my distance because I want to pray for them and I want them uh, to be able to be prayed for and to be able to counsel people and talk to people that are coming up with prayer requests or maybe they felt convicted during the service um, and they're coming up. So we want to be able to do all of these things, but we want everyone to know that we are staying safe. We are cleaning. Um, we know every usually everyone who attends on Sunday mornings um, if they're not feeling well, people are staying home. Uh, you know, if they know they've been around somebody specifically that had it, they're staying home. Yep. And, and so we're really trying to maintain um, security for our health. But at the same time, and you guys have probably seen this all over social media, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And people are ready to be back in the house Absolutely. of the Lord. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we could sit here and talk about COVID and all these things that are going on for hours. And it is real, guys. Me and Alan, we recognize how real real it is. We know people that are affected by it. Um, but we just want to encourage you guys that, you know, if you're nervous about COVID and you're nervous, well, is the church even staying clean? Well, we are. And if you have questions or stuff, call in. You know, Tammy, myself, Pastor Jason, other people, we're here throughout the week. We can answer your questions. Um, and here's another thing, too. We have people who listen to this podcast that live in different states. And I want to say this to you. Um, you know, if you have an interest or maybe you haven't gone back to church or you're nervous, call your local church that you may attend if you're allowed to go there and see what they're doing. Because We've been able to answer those questions, and we f- want to answer those questions because we want people to feel comfortable. That's uh, it. We're, about. A su- we're a support system, and, and we're here. We're here to support our congregation and our community, and to to support uh, the advancement of the kingdom. Yeah, and, and there really there comes a point too. It's like I was talking um, earlier with someone. Eventually, each church is going to have to pray and discern of when do they make the step. And not only each church, each individual. And yeah. when we talk about uh, some of the thing, interactions that go on inside the church, like when somebody goes up to pray, yeah, I go up and pray with folks, but I can, I can 
usually read that person's body language. Yeah. yeah they're probably not wanting to hug me or, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Or I'm there, you know, just using that good uh, people skill, reading their, uh, you know, body language and understanding, man, I'm here to support you. I'm not here to yeah. infect you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you on that because yeah. um, there's an importance on prayer and, you know, responding to a sermon. And it's not so much as you're responding to the pastor. You're responding to God. Exactly. And you can do that in your seat. You yeah. can do that by going up to pray. And I want to say this. If you go to another church, we're not saying what every church should be doing. Exactly right. We're just talking about from our church yep. at Watson's of what our leadership feels led to do and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So don't feel like we're trying to tell you your church should do this. No, consult with your leadership because ultimately that's who it runs through. And, and basically when we when we talk about the, the order of service and the structure of the way things are done, uh, it's, 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 it's God that leads and we follow. And, and if, when we're in a, in a service uh, as God leads – and the altar call is given, and, and folks respond to that. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we do. We go up and pray with folks. If you watch our, our live uh, stream, we do we do pray with folks. Uh, but, uh, again, we're there to support them and to let them know we love them and that uh, yeah. we want to see them uh, yep. do spiritually to prosper. And, guys, if you didn't know this, uh, you know, Alan, he's one of our deacons here. And so the deacons and our pastor, they pray over all decisions, over all circumstances, over all variables, and they give it to God, and they come together, and biblically, they decide and think about what they need to do, and so this is what our church leadership feels like we need to do. Me and Alan are here just to say, hey, we're doing it safe, and we want y'all to come join us. Exactly right. So, guys, that's our intro. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's jump into uh, the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles at home, uh, again, if you're driving, listen to this. Don't try to do that because it would be hard to read and drive at the same time, and we definitely don't encourage that. Hard uh, to find your place. Yeah. Sometimes you, I have to get somebody to help me, like Chuck. He sits beside me normally on the front. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm telling you. I, I, can, I know where the books of the Bible are, but it's funny because sometimes— I think my mind goes blank, and they'll be like, "All right, turn to Jonah chapter one," and I'm like, "Jonah, I know what's in there?" And I and I I'm seen like, it "Just the other day," <laughs> and it's like I'm looking at all the other books of the Bible, and I'm like, "What?" And then there it is. So you know, if you some of us I struggle with it sitting, not driving. So if you're driving, hey, it's hard to keep your place in your Bible, but it's probably going to be hard to keep your place on the road. So just listen. Um, but we're going to continue. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so this will kind of be a... We'll talk more about this later. We're going to continue prayer. Next week, we're going to take a break. We'll give those details later. By break, I mean, we have a surprise. surprise. We're going to have our first guest. Oh, my goodness. We are so excited. But we'll talk about that after. So, guys, we're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in verse 12. And so we got two verses. We're going to cover 12 and 13 this afternoon. Um, and it's going to... You're like, just two verses... I promise you there are so many things we're about to talk about, and it's going to be awesome. So here we go. I'll read this. Okay, so, and forgive us, this ESV, our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, Alan, we got two things here. Repentance, forgiving others. Let's start with repentance. What are you thinking? So the first thing I think of when we talk about the word repentance, it's that clean, uh, new, fresh uh uh, understanding that my burden has been lifted, yep. and I'm I'm encouraged by that. 
But when you continue to read, you understand that there are some things that have to be met along with that. It says, yeah. we forgive us our sins as we forgive those that trespass against us, our debts or our, and our debtors. So if you, if you flip on over to Matthew ch- to chapter 18, you'll, you'll find a, a pretty uh, telling passage of Scripture where Peter asks Jesus the question uh, in uh, verse around 21, uh, man, how many times do I forgive somebody yeah. who's done me wrong? Yep. And I know if you've lived very much and you've been in a, a world or if you have a, a, a secular job, uh, you've been in a position to where somebody has done you wrong. Yeah. And that forgiveness is hard sometimes to extend when you have to overcome your pride. So Peter thinks, well, you know what? I'll be the big man. I'll forgive him seven times. And he thinks, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm just, Jesus said no, seventy times seven. Yep. So it, it, when you when you when you understand the fact that this is a requirement, and, and we can get into, well, what if somebody does this, or what if somebody does that, and uh, something that happens from childhood, and, and yeah. sometimes when you know, uh, in marriage, when things don't go the way that you know uh, we would hope they would, and then maybe divorce comes in those, oh, complicated hard yeah. circumstances get involved we can get into all that if you'd like but the concept of this is how bad do i want to be right with god absolutely how, how bad do i want to be in a right standing with god and have his favor and have his mercy and have that clear conscience which is so priceless when you lay your head down on the pillow and there's nothing bothering you there's nothing uh, no convictions upon your heart and you're able to just rest in the fact that you're secure in Christ. Yeah, that's that's priceless. Yeah. So uh, forgiveness is 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 hard to to uh, uh, give, but it's a requirement according to the Scripture. And uh, it, it, Jesus goes on into a parable, and I'll I'll, I'll be brief. I promise. I don't want to I don't want to hold up. But if you go in on down in, in eighteen and you get into verse number twenty four, uh, he tells about a parable where uh, a king has a reckoning day, and he calls his servants unto him. He says, "Hey." It's time to, to, to pay what you owe. And he called one servant into him that owed him uh, 10,000 talents. And he said, pay me what you owe me. He said, well, I ain't got it. I don't have it to pay. And he commanded him, he said, you're going to be sold, not only you, but your wife and your kids and your house. Everything you've got is going to be sold, and you're gonna, the debt's going to be paid. Yeah. And he said, and he, it broke his heart when he understood that, man, my whole lifestyle, my family, everything's about to be taken away from me. And he begged his Lord, he said, listen, be patient with me. Be patient with me. And the Lord was compassionate toward him. Yeah. And he was, and he said, you know what? I forgive you that debt. 10,000 uh, ta- talents. Forgive it of him. Yeah. Good feeling he's forgiven. We just talked about how that's, you know, it's yeah. good to be a recipient of that forgiveness. So he goes out now and finds one that owes him. Yep. Duh. Just pants, just yeah. a little bit. Turns a, into a bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah. Says, hey, buddy, lay my hands on him. Shake him a little bit. Got your attention? Where's my Where's money? Where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So how quickly the opinion has now changed yeah. from being the debtor, you know, to the, to the one that is owed. And... He has this person who says, hey, I ain't got it. Be patient with me and I'll forgive. But instead of him forgiving them the debt, he has him thrown in prison. Yeah. 
So the, the the message gets back to the Lord of the Servants, and he says, "Ain't you the one I forgive this debt of?" Yeah. See ya. See you, buddy. Yeah. And, and, and when we talk about the the forgiveness uh, that that really uh, comes down to people that understand that goodness and that favor that comes from God. Uh, Jesus not only taught forgiveness, he was an example of forgiveness. Yeah. Literally taught it and showed it. I mean, he forgave uh, the paralytic man that they lowered through the roof. He forgave the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Yeah. He forgave the woman that was anointing his feet. You know, uh, and man, she was grateful. Yeah. Because, man, she knew what she had been through. She knew all of her past. And because so much has been forgiven, man, she put that little alabaster box. You don't know what you don't want this box cost. You don't yeah. know. You don't know what God yeah. done for me. But God, you know, I get into that song that Ty sings, and we'll get anyway. the The fact that she appreciated what God done for her caused her to be grateful, and that that gratefulness, that appreciation, mm-hmm. was evident in her actions. Uh, so he forgave Peter when Peter denied him, and he forgave the thief on the cross. Yep, and he even forgave the ones that crucified him. They don't know what they're doing. God, don't lay this sin to charge. Forgive them. So uh, when you when you when you understand that forgiveness that comes from God, that's that's a the, a, a contingent on us being an example, yeah. just like Christ was, of how. We forgive those who trespass against us. Yeah. And, and what I love, too, is honestly, we're kind of dissecting this verse backwards because the it, it's like this analogy. We use it here at the church, and you guys can't see me, but to be good vertically, so to be good with God, you have to be good horizontally yep. with the rest of the people. And Alan hit it perfect. And my thing about forgiving others is this. Literally, verses 14 and 15 of this same chapter for if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, okay, I tell all the uh, the college group that I get to help with sometimes and help teach, the youth, anybody, if you see the word but, B-U-T, in the Scripture, something's getting ready to happen. So he says, listen, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But, okay, here we go. If you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. And so to be good vertically, you have to be good horizontally. Yep, between each other. I mean, how can you say you love God but have hate in your heart for your brother? See, the two just don't add up. And here's the thing, and you're like, well, how can you say that? Well, here's how I can say that. Let's look at Jesus, okay? Jesus loved the Father, right? Okay, all of a sudden some Pharisees are following him and telling him, trying to get him to fall short and to get him to do these things so they can have him arrested and have him guilty of sin and all these things. But Jesus responds with love. And here's the thing. Think about this. Jesus is on the cross, and he looks out, and you know what he says? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Okay, so if Jesus forgives others, right? He So he loves others, and he loves the Father. And we know Jesus never sinned, so there's no reason why he would need forgiveness from the Father because he was perfect. But here's the thing. Jesus loved the Father. Jesus loved people. So in order to, you know, you might say you love the Father, but if you don't forgive the people, then you're 
if you don't love the people, you're not forgiving them. Exactly and if you're right. not forgiving them, then you don't love them. So this really goes back to, you know, when Jesus say, you know, love others as you would love, want to be loved. Because love and forgiveness kind of go hand in hand. If you have hate in your heart, well, then you're not going to forgive people. You know, there's, a, there's a, a point that just come to my mind when you were talking there, Hunter. When forgiveness is experienced, yeah, there's that overwhelming joy and peace, and we talked about that. But, man, there are people out there that have difficulty forgiving themselves. Yes, you know, self-forgiveness. It, that is good. When, we, when you talk about uh, that self betrayal and, and the guilt-ridden folks yep. that have just absolutely let Satan dominate them yeah. and beat them mercilessly into a just uh, zero uh, self-worth yeah. state. Uh, God don't want us to be in that position. So at some point, yes, forgiveness uh, to be acquired, sometimes you have to forgive yourself. Absolutely. To allow the and that's Holy Spirit hard. to come in and cleanse you. Absolutely. And that is. is that is so hard. I'm, I mean, guilt gives room for the enemy. If you think about it, like a lot of sermons you've probably heard is that the devil, there's a playground for the, the, the evil one, and it's your mind where he's going to try to deceive you, try to mislead you, uh, try to get your flesh to feel like, ooh, you know, I, I want this, I need to do this. But here's the thing. Yeah, what you're saying is that, like, that guilt, that shame that you let in, the enemy can absolutely de- tear you inside out with that. And he loves it. Yeah. He's got he's got you in a position now to where forget about helping anybody else. You can't even help yourself. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's just a very dangerous place to be. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, why is that a dangerous place to be, Hunter? Because anytime you allow the enemy to have some sort of ground to play in or try to deceive you, it can hurt. And here's the other thing. How do I, why can I say this to you? Because guys, listen, I, I was a Christian. I was saved when I was 12, biblically convicted and led to the Lord. Okay, but think about this. When I was in high school, I did not live the best life. I did not make the best decisions. So finally, I came to that place of, okay, I've got to repent, which we're about to get to repentance, and I'm fired up about it. But listen, I was full of guilt and shame. The Lord had forgiven me, but I had not fully forgiven myself, and I literally would beat myself up all the time because of the decisions that I made. But here's the thing. The Lord had already cleansed those with His blood and forgiven me of those. And that guilt and that shame packed onto me for a couple years, and it hindered my spiritual growth, and it hindered how the Lord could really use me because it became like a barrier. So when we talk about this ability to get past our past, put our past behind us, when we are uh, saved by the grace of God and we experience that forgiveness that we've talked about a couple times already in this podcast today, We've already talked about in episode two how that God looks at us and sees the blood of Christ, and he sees us yes. justified. Now we're in the flesh, and we have that part of us that we, you know, Paul said what I would do, I, I don't yep. do, and what I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Yeah. That fleshly part of us that Satan likes to attack, when he when he gets in there and reminds us of things that we've done, and, and, and I mean, 
being honest, I've struggled with forgiving myself over things that, man, alive that that was a that was a bad mistake, Alan. How could you do that and claim to be a Christian? How how could you, and then struggle with that over a long period of time? Yeah, and and you find yourself in a dark place. Not only questioning salvation, you question your self worth. And you, once you start, you know, down that wormhole of darkness and abyss, Satan is at his finest. He's the happiest. He's rubbing his hands together in excitement over the fact that he stole every bit of my joy and he's yeah. pushing me uh, like a, a steam engine straight toward the bluff of destruction. Yeah. And, and guys, I, I mean, even in the scriptures, it says that the former things are no longer remembered to God. Um, you know, he, he knows us inside and out. But once you are a Christian, it's like Alan said, he doesn't see us anymore. He sees his son. And when he sees his son, he sees his son's blood. So now let's go back to our feelings again. Yeah, <laughs> let's get back to them. We love feelings around here. So, all right. And that's why Satan likes to manipulate and and pick at. Man, I don't, I don't feel. Yeah. I don't feel saved or I don't feel worthy or I don't feel forgiven. That's where faith comes in, guys. And the, the, the ability to dissect God's Word on your own, yeah. look into it, know what it says, understand the meaning of it, the intent of it, the context of it, and how does that apply to me and where I'm at right now. Yeah. And believe it. Yes. By faith, believe it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I was thinking too right there, Alan, your feelings can confuse you. Yes, they can. And you're like, where are you going with this? I'm going here. You ready for this? The Word says that God is not the author of confusion. So if you find yourself in a confused state of, I'm not worthy, I don't feel this, I don't feel this, well, understand this. If you are in a place of confusion, I can guarantee you that God did not put you there. Why? Never. He is not the author of confusion. He does not have fun, nor does he sit above and think, I'm just going to confuse them and make them... No, guys, that is the enemy absolutely so remember this when we get on down in our scripture where it says lead us not into temptation that that in no way implies that god's leading us along to a point of where we're going to be a failure yeah no it does not mean that yeah and we'll, i'm getting ahead of ourselves but uh, we we'll, god god has nothing but the best intentions for us in our life and when we find ourselves fighting these battles, typically it's because we believe Satan and his lies. Yeah, definitely. And, and so, guys, we'll pause there with that. Okay, so we've talked about forgiving others and how it's so important, and now we're going back to the beginning of 12. Forgive us our debts. Okay, so let me say this before we even start. What is repentance? This is what repentance is, and I've got a definition uh, right here, and this is out of the Greek. I could have put the Greek word, but you guys don't want to hear me to try to pronounce Greek <laughs> yet. So, a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of a purpose he has formed or of something he has done, okay, to change one's mind for better, heartily to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. So, repentance is changing your mind. Okay, so a great verse to start with right here. First John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. All right, guys, get ready for this. Strap in. If you think repentance is 
confessing, okay, and you're like, what do you mean? If you think confessing means this, is that you just go down and you say a sentence and your life doesn't change, that is not repentance, okay? Repentance produces action. And you're like, what do you mean action? Okay, to change your mind means to literally change from what you were in and change it towards God. It's like a 180 turn. And so I wanted to say that before anything else is that repentance is true. Biblical repentance is turning from something of sin and fully turning towards God. And listen, if that is not what repentance is to you and you think it's just a a cart that you swipe and after you say a repetitive prayer, then you are misleading yourself. Repentance has to come from, as we talked about in week one and week two, a true heart. Your heart has to be in a place of repentance. Guys, I can attest to this. There's been so many times in my life where I have asked for forgiveness with not a true heart intent. But when I get to the place where I realize that I'm not truly repentant and I get where I need to be and I let the conviction break my heart, guess what? I find myself on my knees crying out to God like David did in Psalms 51, which we're going to talk about and experience true repentance where when I get up, I'm no longer in that sin because I've truly confessed it. And you're like, what, what's, okay, what's confessed? You've said it five times. I'm talking about when you look at the definition of confess, telling God what you have done wrong. There's a lot of times where we say, God, forgive us of our sins. But when you look at the definition of confession, it's a lot deeper than that. Literally admitting And telling God the specific sins you have done is confessing them to him. And we're not letting God in on it because he already knows it to begin with. It's an acknowledgement. God, you're holy. God, I'm nothing. Absolutely. Repentance is not being sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about feelings some more. I I know we talked about my feelings a lot. But just because I'm sorry don't mean I'm repenting. Yes. Listen, that, oh my gosh, perfect. In Psalms 51, Psalms 51 is the, my, one of my favorite scriptures because it describes David is sorry. And you can tell it by the language and the verbiage in which the Bible is written. But it's not just sorry. Because as you go on to read, you see it's a godly sorrow yeah. that works repentance that is evident in a lifestyle of change of behavior. Yes. And, and here's the thing, too. Okay, so it's Psalms 51, we read of David's repentance, but okay, let's go, let's talk about First Samuel, you know, right there in the Samuels when the, all this, okay, so he does what he does with Bathsheba, they have a son, Nathan appears, calls him out through a parable of a man stealing, you yeah, know, yeah. All, all that stuff. So all of a sudden, David's like, well, that man deserves to die, and Nathan says, well, you are this man, you know, I'm sure he's looking at him because he was a prophet, yep. God gave him yep. the word. Yep. So all of a sudden, David loses the first child because of what he did, okay, but... He is sorrowful, and he is crying out. And somewhere, okay, somewhere between that and that, Psalms 51 had to take place because we look at David's repentance. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's talk about 2 Samuel 24. All right, so all of a sudden, David gives out a census to the land, and he's not supposed to. So God, in his righteous judgment, says, David, you shouldn't have done that. What does it say? David says this, okay, he says, I am a sinner. I have sinned. I have. He tells and confesses to God what he has done. 
Okay, and you read the whole thing, and it's this whole thing. Eventually, a plague, you know, all these things happen to the people of the land. Okay, David ends up saying, I've done wrong. I need to fix it and confess it to the Lord. Okay, so true can, true repentance is turning from something, turning to the Lord's having a, a great heart, a great mind. Pastor Jason said this, where you're in a place where your conscience, you're willing to be cleansed, your heart, your mind, your soul, your whole body. You you know, not like, oh, what Peter say? Uh, the Lord says, you know, when he's washing his feet. And then Peter's like, well, wash my whole body. Yep. Okay, that's what repentance is, is, you know, if you think about, all right, so... Uh, James says, stay unstained from the world, all right? So analogy, if you wear a white T-shirt to a ribbing contest and you don't take the preparations, that okay? shirt's not going to be white. No, you're going to be covered in sauce, and so you have to take the right steps to clean your shirt. Just as the Christian, if you are stained, okay, if you have sin in your life, First John says, confess, Okay, confession turns into repentance. Now I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit cleanse me and lead me back to where I need to be. And the good thing about that is people say, well, if you change your mind, it changes your behavior, which changes your works. You don't even have to get hung up on all that. That true repentance with a broken contract spirit that God sees your heart that says, you know what, God, I'm sick of this. It changed my opinion on my behavior. And now the Holy Spirit lets that be manifest yeah. in my behavior. Yeah. It's not like I have to concentrate or try hard. I'm just sensitive and listening to the Holy Spirit. Yes. And if you're sitting thinking, well, I just I get anxious to admit that I'm a sinner. If you are not willing to admit and confess your sins to God, I'm nervous for you. Because for you, it, listen, to be biblically saved, you have to confess and admit that you are in need of a Savior. So if you claim to be a Christian, but you're not willing to confess your sins, I would ask you to really think about that statement. Absolutely. Because that, that's a scary statement. And we're praying for people who are listening to this. That, listen, here's the thing. Another thing. You don't think God already knows your story. He already... Okay, think about in Ezekiel, all right? So... He has Ezekiel, okay, so he says, son of man, and he gives him these instructions, okay, says, dig a hole. So there's this hole that's being dug through the wall, Ezekiel gets in the hole, he gets to the other side, all of a sudden he sees all the elders of Israel in the dark, worshiping false idols, okay, God knew they were in that room when they were trying to sure hide. Did. Sodom and Gomorrah, their sins have come up before me, Nineveh, their sins have come up before me, okay, New Testament, all right, uh, you think about when um, the the apostles are collecting tithes, and the couple came up, and they said, "Where you know, where's your tithes? Where's your money?" And I can't. Uh, Ananias and Sapphire yeah. is that okay? I, so they come up, they give a false amount because they lie, and Peter knows. All right, so could Peter know that through man's knowledge? No. Peter, through the power of God, was able to know what they were doing. Yep. So God knew that they weren't giving all they had, and they had to answer for it. So God, listen, God biblically already knows what you've done, so have comfort in that. I'm not trying to condemn you or point my finger at you. I'm just saying, if you know that he knows, then it makes you think, okay, he already knows, so I'm, I'm going to acknowledge him, and I'm going to confess this to him. Now, I want to go back. I know this is a lot. 
Alan talked about feelings, okay? Feeling sorry. Repentance is not about self-pity and feeling sorry. All right, let's talk about two examples. Okay, Esau. When you read in Hebrews 12, 17, or when you know the whole story of Esau, all right, he sold his birthright, okay? And Hebrews 12, 17 says that he sought to receive the blessing with tears and he his repentance was not accepted, Okay, so now you're like, well, why not? He felt bad. He wanted his blessing. He didn't want forgiveness from God. He didn't want to be cleansed in God's eyes. He wanted his blessing that he gave up. All right, another example. Let's talk about Judas when you go to Matthew 27, 4. All right, Judas betrays Jesus. Okay, so he goes back to the Pharisees, says, here's your money. I've realized I have sinned. Okay, so it literally says he realized he sinned, but check this out. I was reading John Gill, great, great commentary guy. I was reading after him today. Judas confessed, but check this out. He didn't confess to the Lord. He confessed to the Pharisees. He said, I have done wrong. I have sinned. Please take this money back and undo what I did. And they said, what does it matter to us? So Judas goes off and he ends up doing what he did. He felt sorry for himself, guys. He confessed to a man... Alan, it almost reminded me of Catholicism, about how Judas tried to go through the men to try to find some sort of forgiveness. But it was because he felt sorry. So listen, if you approach repentance because you feel sorry for yourself and you throw a pity party for yourself, that is not true repentance. Your motives are not in the right place, people. Your motives have to be on God, exactly. not yourself. And I'm nobody's judge, and I can't, I can't look into your heart, Hunter, and see why you're sorry if it's godly repentance brought on by the Holy Spirit. But I know in myself, a lot of times uh, I, I get sorry because I'm caught. Yeah. And I know there's consequences for you know people knowing about my sin, and that makes me feel upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people sometimes get sorry. Because they're caught, yeah. Not sorry because God's convicted them, yeah. Which also can greatly and will greatly affect the end outcome of that prayer of repentance. Yes, and, and if you're listening to this and you're like, "Man, they're passionate about this repentance," like they're they're coming at me. Listen, we're not coming at you, friend. No, 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 no. no. It's our lifeline. Absolutely, and the reason that we're so passionate about this is because listen, I don't know your repentance, I don't know your heart, and I don't know your mind. But because of the Bible, I want anyone who listens to this to be in the same place I was two years ago. Okay, so this is personal. I felt sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for that true forgiveness because of what I did because I was felt sorry I got caught. I felt sorry because I did something. I didn't know that true. I didn't practice that true repentance. And when I finally caught on to what the Bible said, Been my... There. Oh my gosh, guys, my prayer life changed. I truly meant, knew what it meant to confess my sins to God and have Him faithfully forgive me. And that's why we're so passionate about this is because if you're listening to this and you find yourself on the opposite end of the spectrum, we're talking about, guys, I want you to know that you're not alone. I've been there. And there's hope. And there's hope. And here, that's why we are talking about the Scriptures is because... The hope we have to learn more about this is from the Word. Absolutely. And when you talk about getting in that place where 
uh, man, forgiveness is hard to find, and it's not as easy as just praying a prayer. And you have to labor, and you're wondering what's wrong with God. Well, nothing's wrong with God. Yeah, He's He's the same God He's always been. It's the criteria that's in our heart, lining up with His Word in our prayer yeah. of repentance. Yes, and God's repentance is key. It, it, it's a thing that you know you practice when you are saved. Like you, the first time you ever repent, truly, is in your conversion. But repentance is something the Christian still needs to continue to do daily, if need be. And so, let's go. Um, let's go to verse thirteen. I'll give you guys just a second to flip your Bibles there. All right, here we go. So, verse thirteen says, "And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." All right. So, temptation. Let's talk. Let me. It was tempting for me not to get ahead of us. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Bingo. So. Here's a, just a quick definition, and then Alan's going to start us off with this again. So, an enticement to sin, temptation, whether arising from the desires or from the outward circumstances, okay, an internal temptation to sin, of the temptation by which the devil sought to divert Jesus the Messiah from his divine errand. Okay, so Alan, you want to... So, when we talk about this, this verse where it says, lead us not into temptation, that is not at all an indication that God will lead us in a wrong way into a place of failure. Yeah. That's that's not what this scripture says. It is rather asking for a deliverance or an ability to recognize Satan's plan and his, his ploy and be proactive about our relationship with God and proactive about our repentance and listening to the Holy Spirit because uh, the, the concepts that are in the scripture man alive they're they're so i'm i'm a, uh, an industrial health safety environmental specialist so i what i use at work is so applicable with scripture because the two go right along and the, the concepts that i know and have learned and have been taught about the bible i apply them at work because when you talk about industrial health and safety people get hurt in accidents in a factory because of some you know, basic uh, lack of anticipating the hazard. Yeah. So if you want to prevent, you got to address leading indicators. The leading indicators are the ones that are before the event. The lagging indicators are after. So we talk yeah. about industrial safety. A leading indicator is a missing guard on a machine or a sharp edge. Uh, a lagging indicator for a sharp edge is direct pressure on a gushing wound and stitches, those are lagging indicators. So when you take the scriptural look at the approach of how do we not fall into Satan's trap? Yeah. We recognize leading indicators. What are leading indicators? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says that I'll never put you in a position where that uh, will always provide that way of escape. So our spiritual development depends on whether we listen to that or not because every time Satan's got that trap set, the Holy Spirit will say, here's another way. You need to you, you need to reject Satan and his plan, and you need to come the way that I'm directing you. So this, when we talk about God leading, and we can take a, a number of topics. Yeah. Uh, man, the lust of the flesh, man and a woman, adultery, man cheats on his wife, right? And I, I, in an industrial environment, you can stand back and you can watch uh, these two get together. They start talking about how unhappy they are next thing you know they find comfort in each other uh, but as a christian when the holy spirit speaks and says eh, you don't need to be 
Yeah. You know, the Bible says if you look on a woman in lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart, yeah. right? So that tells me that as a God's child, I can look at a woman and say she's pretty, but I can look at a woman with lust in my heart, and the Holy Spirit instantly tells me. Now, I don't, I, I can't look at you, Hunter, and tell you when that happens for you, but God does it to me every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's there, and He's correcting me. It's my responsibility to listen to that. Now, when we talk about yeah. being proactive in that concept, that thought leads not to temptation, our responsibility then is to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because how many times, you know, he didn't sin just when he hopped in a sack with her. How many times had he violated the Holy Spirit's warning before they ever got to that point? Yeah. You know, warning after warning after warning is violated, uh, stepping across that line that the Holy Spirit said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do yeah. it. And now then here we are. Yeah, and, and I, guys, listen, guys and girls, like Alan's example of looking upon someone of the opposite sex, okay, here's something. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, there's a reason, okay? There is a reason that you're look, you might look at someone and then something within you says, don't do it. Don't do it. Just stop. Don't think of it like that. And you find yourself praying. Or you become sensitive and you're like, Oh man, I'm I need to go away. I need to go to another room. I, I just need to get away and not think of this or there's a reason, guys. Listen, a carnal man cannot discern the things of God. By no means. Only a spiritual person can. So let me take this a step further. That means this. A carnal man in that situation will have no sense of I shouldn't do this. Okay. There might be a morality inside of him or maybe some moral law that he keeps of, I'm not going to do this. But here's the thing. There's nothing withholding him back. Nothing. His desire is in the flesh. Okay. The spiritual person, the one who is a Christian, will be in that predicament. And they know that they are in error. Okay. Because the Holy Spirit, it, it corrects, it does all these things. But, okay, even in the act, you're convicted. Absolutely. And, and let's break it down a little bit more uh, on a simpler level. Uh, I've had this conversation. Well, I can look at a woman and admire her beauty. Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. Uh, is it my position to say, mm, how, what point is, when, do, when, have, when have I crossed? That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. And the instant that you cross that line, the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, I guarantee you, the instant you cross that line, the Holy Spirit will be present telling you, mm, you're mine. That's inappropriate. Yes. At that point, it's my responsibility to submit myself to God, resist the devil, and the Bible tells me that he'll flee from me. Yeah. And, and, submit yourself to God. And, you know, when you think of lead us not into temptation, guys, the Lord experienced all sorts of temptation. You have to think. there. I mean, the Scripture says there's not one thing that he didn't experience or know or have to reject that we go through. He knows. And you're like, are you saying the Lord like was tempted? Yeah, he was tempted, okay, in the garden. You know, when the devil tried to get him three different times, what did Jesus do? He used the word to rebuke the evil one. So, yeah, Jesus was tempted. But here's the thing. He was God in flesh. He was perfect. He refused all temptation. So, when you think of lead us not into temptation, we should pray that to the one who experienced and escaped and rebuked all 
matter of sin. That's exactly right. He knows how to access yes. that deliverance. Yes. And, and here's the thing, and I love this too, Alan, and this trans. Okay, so think about this. When you think about deliver us not into temptation, okay, but deli- del- lead us not into temptation, okay, but deliver us from evil, all right? So here we go with this. So there is a sense of praying to God, saying, help me avoid the evil one. Okay, submit to God, resist the devil, that he would flee. We, I mean, sun, uh, Sunday morning, when was it? Yeah, he. I mean, he talked about the devil and how he attacks us and how he tries to uh, mislead the Christian. All right? So, yes, there are evil forces. It says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and all matters, darkness, evil, all of these things. So there is evil out there. Okay, but what about your flesh? So now, think about it in this sense. We pray from deliverance from the evil one, but we pray from for deliverance from our flesh. Okay, so a lot of people will always say, man, the, de- the devil's tempting me. The devil's after... Well, it's the devil's fault, scapegoat. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, what you do is there's a reason why in Hebrews it says, make no provision for the flesh. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, take away the stumbling blocks. Do not feed your flesh. What happens if you choose to feed your flesh? You find yourself in sin because you chose to. And so we need to pray for deliverance from the evil one, but we need to pray like John said, help me decrease so you can increase the Lord. Absolutely. When we talk about deliverance from the evil one, uh, you may be listening, and you may be uh, have a mindset like I have sometimes, where you think, "Well, I'm not, I'm not cheating on my wife, so I'm in good shape. I'm not, I'm not raging full of lusts, so I'm, you know, I'm okay." But how do we get in our mindset that proactiveness to where it says, "Lead us not into temptation"? Well, here's the deal: Satan don't, he's he's not that. He's a subtle, and he's crafty, and he has ways to start off with this mindset of complacency. I'm doing pretty good spiritually. I'm cruising. I'm not I, as bad I'll, as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Yeah. I, I'll, just, I'll just kick her out, and it's really not safe to go to church right now, so I'm going to take a sabbatical, and, and, and I'll catch up with you in a month, God. And, you know, the next thing you know, I'm in cruise control, and I'm complacent, and I'm comfortable, and sin don't bother me like it used to. Yeah. And, then, and, and before long... Uh, our defense mechanism that God has put in there, that that sin detector, that radar, that's the Holy Spirit that lets you know the, the evil one's about. We've ignored it so long that our hearts have become hard. Yeah, don't become religious. Do not. Do not. Listen, you want to become a Pharisee real quick? Compare yourself to others and say, well, I'm not like so-and-so. Yep. Guys, lead us not into temptation, okay, and deliver us from evil is important. Um, You know, there's a reason why the Lord's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so, Alan, I want to—I had this for both questions, or for both scriptures, but I want to ask the question both now that we're at the end of this, kind of for a wrap-up before we do our conclusion and all that stuff. When we think about repentance, we think about this, lead us not into temptation— can a person do it by themselves? There's no way. It's impossible. Can you elaborate on that when a little you, bit? When you talk about in willing, 
you're just trying to, at my own determination and willpower, make it happen. There's no way. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, Satan's not omnipresent. Satan's not omniscient. There's lots of weaknesses that he has. He's got his faults. But I guarantee you one thing, without God and the Holy Spirit, I'm no match for him. Absolutely, guys. I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, the Bible says put on the armor of God. He'll eat my lunch. He's done it many times. Yes. Many times. It doesn't say the armor of Hunter, the armor of Alan. It says the armor of God. And so we ask that question because there's this sense within a human that they are independent. And they can do... Why did people divert from God in the first place? Pride. They thought they could do it. Satan said, okay, Eve, did God really say... That you couldn't. Basically, he was saying he just doesn't want you to become a god like him, where you don't need him. And so, pride and independency gets in the way. The reason we put this question in this is to say this, guys: you cannot fully repent or find forgiveness by yourself. You cannot avoid temptation in the evil one by yourself. Go from independent to dependent, and watch a change in your life. We cannot do this on our own. If we could, God would have never sent his son. But he did because he knew that we thought we were so independent, but yet we're dependent because there's a flaw within all of us and that is sin. And so, guys, listen, invite the Lord in. Confess your sins. Ask him to lead you away from temptation when you feel, you know, your flesh is starting to rear or wild up or you think the evil one is trying to deceive. Ask him. Both of these texts show that we have to depend on Him, and we have to give reverence and acknowledge Him. And so, guys, depend on the Lord. And so, with that, Alan, you got anything else you want to add to these verses? No, we we just want to make you aware of the fact that this proactive approach to Christianity and following God Man alive, the the closer you get, the sweeter He grows, and and, yeah. and the the more you. Uh, uh, appreciate him the more sensitive you get to his holy spirit the more you recognize i'm getting complacent yeah man i'm i'm, I'm getting to where i i procrastinate and, and you're proactive about sins of omission yeah and, and you're being uh, more driven to prune things out of your life that you know are unprofitable and, and trying to be more like christ and that's getting you into a position of yeah. service where God can use you. Yeah, and, and Alan, I, I think about this too, and this this is a text we can kind of end with. I think about Peter in, in Matthew 26 when Jesus already said, you're going to deny me. So he denies the Lord, but the end of the text said that he ran away and wept bitterly. Okay, Esau wept bitterly. Judas wept bitterly. But look at what happens between to Peter between Matthew 26 and Acts chapter 2. <laughs> So the reason he wept bitterly is because he realized that he had failed the Lord. And so he wept bitterly because his heart was broke because of what he did. But between Acts 26 and then all of a sudden, or Matthew 26 and then in Acts 2, Peter stands up and preaches one of the most powerful messages and 3,000-something people are saved. Peter understood what it meant. And there was evidence of his repentance. True, True biblical repentance. And true biblical repentance provides a true biblical evidence of turning Absolutely. away from the evil and turning to the Father. And so Peter learned the lesson of what repentance was. But here's another thing. Peter also realized how much he had to depend on the Lord because all of a sudden in Acts chapter 2, yeah, 
the Lord's gone. They watched him ascend back up into heaven, and all of a sudden now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter realized the dependency on the Lord. Even for him to write his epistles, he had to depend on the Lord and the Holy Spirit of God. And so, guys, we hope you've learned about repentance. Uh, We hope you've learned, listen, if you're holding grudges or you're not forgiving people, that the Word says you need to forgive others to be in the right standpoint with God. And we hope that you guys see the importance of asking God to help us not fall into temptation and deliver us from the evil. And so here's the conclusion, okay? Next week, all right, we're taking a break from prayer, and we have our first guest. Alan, who's our guest? Our guest will be, drumroll please. Pastor Jason. Pastor Jason, y'all. We are so excited. Pastor Jason is going to come join us next week. And here's a sneak peek. We're talking about biblical evidence of a true conversion. I can hardly wait. I've been thinking about this episode four yes. ever since you told me it was going to happen because uh, it's it's so needful. Uh, number one, if you're a Christian, episode four should be an exhortation that puts you in a position of appreciation for what God's done for you. Yes, and, and what do you? Well, maybe you're thinking biblical evidences of true conversion. We're talking about this. There's more to the Christian life biblically than just feeling good about Jesus. Great example. Or claiming the title. Yeah, being a fake Christian. Yep. There's more to it, guys. And here's a great example. All of a sudden you have Saul, persecutor of the church, has a conversion, becomes Paul, the powerful preacher and writer of half of the New Testament. There's biblical evidence that he had a true conversion. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like for all people who profess to be Christians. And if you're a true Christian, you're going to love it. And if you're not, we pray that the podcast would help you get to where you need to be. Absolutely. And so, guys, hey, that's all we have for you this week. So, so long for me. Alan? God bless. Hey, we love y'all. See you next time.